0: Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the Ranking Digital Rights Project and the findings of the 2017 Corporate Accountability Index, uh, which ranks 22 internet and telecommunications companies on their respect for freedom of expression and privacy. I'm Lisa Gutermuth. I'm the program manager at Ranking Digital Rights and I'm also a visiting researcher here in Berlin at the Humboldt Institute for Internet und Gesellschaft, the HIG.
1: And I'm Alana Ullmann, I'm a policy and communications analyst with Ranking Digital Rights and I'm also a fellow at the Center on Media, Data and Society at Central European University in Budapest.
0: Okay, so just to give you an overview of what we're going to cover today, uh, we're going to talk about the background of the Ranking Digital Rights Project and then talk about the methodology and process and what goes into building um, a, an index like this. And then we're going to talk about the findings of the 2017 index in uh, the categories of governance, freedom of expression, and privacy. And to close, uh, we will give recommendations for companies and recommendations for governments, and then we'll open it up for questions.
1: And you can also tweet questions that you have with the hashtag ranking rights. Yes. And also visit the website at
0: rankingdigitalrights.org index 2017 as we go along. Um, we... W- This will become clear uh, fairly soon, but we will not be able to cover nearly even a quarter of the data that is part of this index, but we want to give a few introductory findings.
1: Um, So just as some background to how the project came about, Ranking Digital Rights founder Rebecca McKinnon wrote a book called Consent of the Networked. And it looked at this question of how can we structure technology in a way that promotes the rights and liberties of all internet users. And one of the key issues that she looked at in this book was the growing role that internet and telecommunications companies play in our daily lives and the impact they have on our digital rights. Uh, But unlike governments where we have methods of accountability like electing officials, and there are more clear accountability mechanisms, um, there was this lingering question of how can we hold uh, companies accountable? Um, How can we as netizens and internet users make sure that they are respecting our digital rights? And so, additionally, uh, the UN uh, put out the Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which state that governa- governments have a responsibility to protect human rights, but that companies and businesses in the private sector also have a responsibility to respect human rights. And so an organization called the Global Network Initiative, or the GNI, was formed to implement these principles and apply them to ICT companies. And so companies can join the GNI and commit to uphold a certain level of standards on freedom of expression and privacy issues. And even with all these efforts, there's still a gap, though. Um, So the GNI is a voluntary organization. What about the companies that don't choose to join? Or what about issues that the GNI perhaps doesn't uh, get into? Um, we also know that rankings work as a mechanism to encourage company improvement. When you compare a company to its competitor and show where they may be falling short, um, it, it is a really important incentive um, to changing that behavior. And we've seen that with companies in other sectors already. Um, so that was sort of a lot of the uh, background into how the project came about uh, in 2013.
0: Okay and in the same vein, um, just as sustainable business practices have become a mainstream expectation in the environment, um, one of the overarching goals of ranking digital rights and we've heard this echoed in other spaces including the uh, Mozilla internet health report that we really want to mainstream this idea or this expectation of internet and telecommunications companies that our digital rights will be respected. And uh, in order to uh, provide for a sustainable digital environment, um, and here is um, the map of companies that we evaluated. Uh, we this is a global index. We didn't want to do uh, to we didn't want it to be European focused or American focused. And we uh, the, the blue is com- where companies are headquartered but does not encompass the reach. So, um, for example, we all know that the reach of Facebook and Google and Microsoft is worldwide, and then we also wanted to get companies that were used more widely in in other areas um, that, for example, Alana and I had never interacted with before doing the research, like Kakao in South Korea or
1: Tencent and Baidu in in China. Um, So we look at three categories of indicators, and the first is governance. Um, So we look at uh, companies to disclose a commitment at the corporate level to respect freedom of expression and privacy. So for example, we look for companies to disclose that they conduct human rights impact assessments to determine the ways in which their services may infringe upon user rights and to mitigate those. Um, So for example, before launching a new service or before entering a new market that might have um, a negative human rights record, um, but also in in their day-to-day application of using existing services. Are they understanding the risks to human rights of their users um, that their services may present? and are they mitigating those? Um, And so you'll notice that the GNI uh, companies and um, the telecommunications industry dialogue, uh, which has recently merged with the GNI, but which previously was a only telecommunications companies um, organization, um, they tended to do better in this category than the other companies because part of that membership requires them to have this sort of corporate commitment. And so the next category that we look at is freedom of expression... Uh, we look at a wide range of issues in this. Um, So, for example, um, terms of service enforcement. Each company has their own rules for what content is and isn't allowed on their platforms. And a lot of um, times when they're enforcing these terms of service, it's really unclear how these standards are being applied, and uh, we don't have very much information about the volume or nature of content that they're removing for violating their terms of service. Um, We also Look at if they require users to provide a government issued ID or information that would tie a user to his or her offline identity. Um, And if they do, then they are docked points um, because users cannot be fully anonymous on their platforms. And so finally the third category that we look at is privacy. Um, We look for companies, uh, for example, to disclose how they are collecting, using, sharing and retaining user data. We look for information about how they respond to government and other third party requests for user data and for them to publish things like transparency reports that have the number of those requests they receive from law enforcement and the number with which they comply.
0: And actually, we'll go a bit deeper into the specific privacy indicators and the results of the companies um, soon. Um, but before then, um, we want to talk a little bit about process and what goes into making an index um, of, of this nature and a, of this scale. Um, so firstly, to be clear, we look at publicly available documents um, and disclosures. Um, and we work with a team of international researchers based in over 19 countries around the world. And this is mostly for language purposes. Um, for example, neither Alana or, or I speak Korean. Um, and in those environments, you need that that knowledge. And also, uh, they have the contextual knowledge. So in the same vein, we haven't used those Products We don't know how, how they are used within society. You don't have that local knowledge. Um, so we have seven steps to the research process. We start with a f- basic primary research. Um, each researcher gets a company and goes through all 35 indicators in all three categories. Um, and then we do a secondary review. So a different researcher looks at that same company and goes through and sees if there's any, if they uh, disagree with the judgment of the first researcher or if uh, the first researcher missed a piece of disclosure. Um, and then we do an internal, step three is we do an internal uh, review and reconciliation of those first two steps. And then what we found is really important is we do a horizontal review um, where, where up until this point we've been looking at uh, company by company. Um, and at this point we take each indicator and look at them across all companies and make sure that we're judging them equally and that we're not being too strict with or more strict than other companies uh, on an indicator
1: or that a researcher interpreted something differently on a specific company. And then uh, we have preliminary draft results and this is an important part of our process because we send those draft results to each of the companies and we offer them a chance to respond and to comment And so in some cases, if there was maybe a document on their website that we missed, or if they've published a a new document that's relevant that was published after we began the research, then it's an opportunity for them to point us to that. Um, And again, we're only looking at publicly available documentation. So if they perhaps have a really great internal policy um, for encryption or one of the other issues we look at, that would not affect their score because part of our um, theory of change and part of what we are looking for is improved transparency with their policy. So if the public and their users don't know what is going on um, on a given issue, then they don't receive credit on that. Um, And then we decide whether or not any new information or new context uh, merits a score change. And then we conduct another horizontal review uh, for quality assurance and just to, again, make sure we're applying uniform standards across the board. And then we have our final scores which look like this. Um, So these are the results from um, our index, which was released in March of this year. Uh, The far left column is the total score, which is out of 100, and then it's broken down into governance, freedom of expression, and privacy. The internet and mobile companies are at the top, and the telecommunications companies are at the bottom. And so uh, the highest performing company was Google, was 65%. Uh, Microsoft was a few points behind at 62%. um, And the average score for all the 22 companies was around 33%. So by any standard that is... Really a failing grade, and we found that there's significant room for improvement across the board um, and additionally, you know steps that co- these, some of these companies could take tomorrow or in the near future without any regulatory change or legal um, change um, these are steps that the companies themselves could take um, and so for example um, One of the lower performing companies, Oridu, which is a telecommunications company based in Qatar, um, they actually did not have any privacy policy that was publicly available on their website, Um, so they didn't get any points for privacy. And so, some of the key findings um, that we took away from the report were, as I mentioned, company disclosure is really inadequate across the board. Um, Every company has areas in which they can make significant improvement. Uh, Mobile ecosystems, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, but have the least amount of disclosure of the services we looked at. So, we still don't know enough about the impact of smartphones on our digital rights. Um, freedom of information is getting shortchanged so the majority of the companies we looked at published more detailed information relating to privacy than they did on uh, policies relating to freedom of expression handling of user information is very opaque so if someone were to make a profile on me based on the different services I use and the data that I give them and the data that they share with other third parties, um, what would that look like? What would my iPhone, combined with my telecommunications mobile phone carrier, combined with Google and Facebook and whatever other platforms I use, what would someone be able to tell from all the data that I'm giving them? We still don't know enough to be able to really answer that question. Um, And finally, um, one of the other key takeaways was that security commitments, Lack evidence, So there may be some companies that are known for having really robust security or really strong encryption or other things like that. Um, but if they don't make their users aware of it, users don't know to what extent or even if their data is being protected and how secure they really are. Um, so, to go into a little bit of detail, I think we're
0: going to cover three indicators today out of the 35, so again, I do encourage uh, going to the website and finding which indicators are more in- most interesting to you or that you want to find out more about. Um, but this is P3, so the third privacy indicator um, of collection of user information. Um, So, the questions that we ask when we evaluate this indicator are, does the company clearly disclose what types of user information it collects? For each type of user information the company collects, does it clearly disclose how it collects that information? And does the company clearly disclose that it limits the collection of user information to what is directly relevant and necessary to accomplish the purpose of its service? Is it not collecting superfluous information? Um, and this is an interesting indicator. In any case, Cacao, uh, the South Korean company, actually scored best out of the internet companies. And a lot of the arguments you would expect when evaluating corporations on this basis and also hearing the average score of 33% is that our expectations are too high and that it's not achievable what we're asking or expecting of them. But the fact that Kakao was able to get 90, 89% Um, on this indicator, and Google could only get 60%, and Apple fell at 29% as the the worst scoring um, in this indicator is kind of telling about what's possible and what choices these companies are making on disclosure. Um, This is the fourth privacy indicator sharing of user information. So again, similarly, and there's a, a row of these, so it goes from collection to sharing to retention and actually you see the, the, the whole average score kind of go down as you get deeper in, into <laughs> uh, the questions but so does the company clearly disclose whether it shares user information just as a basis does the company disclose which types of third parties it shares information and what's what's interesting and we have seen done is does it disclose the names of all the third parties with which it
1: shares user information. So, And so one of the new indicators that we looked at in this year's index was company policies for responding to data breaches. Uh, It seems like every other week in the news there's another high profile data breach of a given service that impacts a lot of users on a very personal level. And so that's one of the reasons it was really surprising and, and also concerning that actually of the 22 companies we look at, there were only three. They were actually all telecommunications companies, uh, Telefonica, Telefonica, AT&T and Vodafone were the only three out of all 22 companies to disclose information about their processes for responding to data breaches. So usually after a data breach, a company may put out a press release or a blog post or will speak to the media or will maybe email users that were affected. Um, But this is different than a comprehensive policy that expresses a commitment to always respond um, in a certain way. Um, and a, and so we look for companies to disclose that they'll notify the relevant authorities without delay, that they'll notify data subjects who may have been affected, and we look for them to disclose ways that they will try to mitigate the impact of the breach. And so it's also important to note that a lot of these companies are operating in countries that do have laws governing response to data breaches, so they may be legally uh, required to notify authorities or users, and uh, this doesn't mean that they're not doing that, Um, But it means that they're not disclosing to users that this is what they do. And users shouldn't need to be experts in data breach response law or data protection law of a given country to know, know if they are secure in their data and to have that sense of security. And so uh, one of the other new areas we looked at this year was mobile ecosystems. Um, So by that, we mean the combination of the device, the operating system of your smartphone, your user profile, and the app store uh, where you download your apps. So for Apple, that would be your iPhone, your Apple ID, iOS, and the Apple App Store. And we found that all three companies we looked at, Apple, Google Android, and the Samsung implementation of Android, all three failed to disclose um, sufficient policies. Um, failed to sufficiently disclose policies affecting users' freedom of expression and privacy rights. So Google, as you can see from this graph, outperformed both Apple on the left and Samsung on the right in all three categories. Um, but really, overall, this was the category we saw lowest disclosure. Um, we also found that app stores are choke points for freedom of expression. So an app store a company with an app store might receive a request from a government. Um, So the Chinese government requests for Apple to remove the New York Times app from its app store for users in China. And we want to know, you know, what is Apple's response for responding to this request? How many of these types of requests do they receive? How many did they comply with? And we still don't have enough information about that process. Um, And additionally, app stores don't provide clear disclosure about whether they enforce their privacy policy rules for app developers. So any app developer making an app that collects user information should have a privacy policy for how they treat that information. And additionally, app stores should provide evidence that they are removing apps that don't have sufficient privacy policies. And that's another thing that we haven't seen yet. And so um, one of the other really interesting things from this year's report was for the first time we looked at two Russian companies and two Chinese companies. And so for China, we looked at Baidu and Tencent. And for Russia, we looked at Yandex and Mail.ru. And um, this really allowed us to examine if there are areas in which these companies do have room to increase their disclosure. So obviously these are very restrictive legal environments for both freedom of expression and uh, privacy issues. Um, But we found that by looking at gaps in scores between the two Chinese companies and the two Russian companies, it showed that they actually do have some degree of flexibility on certain issues to decide how much information to disclose and what their policies are. So for example, Yandex ended up outperforming Mail.ru on several security indicators, which would mean that despite the restrictive legal environment, Mail.ru could still improve its disclosure. Okay, um,
0: and then, uh, from this whole study, we have some general recommendations that we can offer to companies. So, um, from our findings, we recommend that companies carry out risk assessments for freedom of expression and privacy and show evidence that the company has institutionalized commitments. Um, Be transparent and accountable, not only about government requests, but also private requests and terms of service enforcement. So This is about transparency reporting. Uh, communicate clearly about what happens to users' information. We saw already in the, two indicat- or the three indicators that we covered that there's a lot that could be done and there's a lot that's not being done and we really don't have enough information about the data that is collected. Um, Establish effective grievance and remedy mechanisms so when someone's digital rights are violated, there is a mechanism in which that they can report this and communicate with the company. And if damage is done, that there's a remedy mechanism in place. Um, And provide evidence of strong security practices. So this is, even if companies have really strong security practices, they should disclose that information
1: additionally. (laughs) And so we also provide recommendations for governments um, to promote company transparency and to remove legal restrictions that may be preventing companies from disclosing more about what they're doing with user information. So... We uh, believe that laws and regulations must at least enable, if not require, companies to respect user rights. Um, And they should also maximize transparency from companies about things like content restrictions and requests uh, or sharing user data with third parties. And governments themselves should be accountable and transparent about requests they make on companies, both to restrict content uh, and also for user information. So... So that's, that's what we have. And we have a little bit of time for questions. But again, we'd really encourage you to view our full report where you can find more information about the issues we covered and all the other indicators at rankingdigitalrights.org index 2017. Thanks. Thank you. Two minutes for questions we have.
0: If you have a question, raise your arm, please. Now is the time. Nope. nope. No one? Okay. <laughs> so, thanks for coming. Please stay if you want to. Bleibt gerne noch weiter hier. Yeah. Und vielen Dank an euch beide. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.